Get ready to be inspired by the great things happening in rural education. The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas and innovative solutions. We'll dive into education issues and we'll highlight what's working in your rural communities. You'll hear from a variety of educators, administrators, professionals, and others who will provide relevant and engaging content in each episode. And now, serving up the scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Seydorf. Hey, everybody. I am so excited that you're here to talk with me and my co-host, Ty White. Uh, And we are going to be having a conversation with Kate Peake who is one of our Arizona Rural Schools Association top 10 finalists for Teacher of the Year for this past year, 2023. And I'm really looking forward to having an opportunity to hear more about her students and her rural school and uh, all of the amazing things that I know that she's doing because, like I said, she was a top 10 finalist. So I know that we're going to have a great conversation. Uh, but before we do that, I am going to have my co-host, Ty White, introduce himself because he is also an amazing rural teacher. And uh, so, Ty, how are things going? Things are going great. You know, it's been an outstanding year. I'm so grateful for all the things I've gotten to do. And um, one of those things I've gotten to do is to join you on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I really get a kick out of doing these. So, yeah. Um, I'm getting to introduce today, we have Kate Peak with us. Um, Kate, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you teach and where you hail from? Sure. Um, I am a middle school English language arts teacher. I'm originally from the Midwest and never imagined that I would be living in the sunny state of Arizona. Uh, luckily, we've had a rainy Midwestern day here. Um uh, my passion for literacy took me to college where I um, was introduced to the program Teach for America. Uh, Teach for America took me to St. Louis where I really solidified my love of the classroom and education. Um, after following my husband for his career to Colorado, we came to um We eventually moved to Arizona for his job, uh, which gave me a chance to uh, pursue my other passion, which is uh, conservation and helping nonprofits grow their organizations. So I worked for a local conservation nonprofit for a while before the pandemic came and new opportunities um, arose. And I was able to return to my original passion of middle school language arts. Um, And while settled here in Patagonia, Arizona, uh, I have been raising uh, two sons, age five and seven, and we all get to go to school together every morning and leave together every evening. And it's wonderful. (laughs) That's fantastic. So you said that your passion is being a teacher. I'm curious how you got started in that. Like, what was your journey like? Not everyone is always straightforward and linear. Yeah. Um, well, while at school at Earlham College, a uh, small liberal arts school, um, I thought to my, I was pursuing a dual education in psychology and English. And in my final year, I had to dissect a sheep's brain. And mm-hmm. I decided maybe psychology isn't for me after all. <laughs> and so I started looking around for any um, careers that would allow me to work with other people, and to share my love of stories. 
and the written word. Um, and during that time, I was introduced to someone from the Teach for America program. And I thought, wow, they're doing exactly what I want to do. They are um, sharing the advantages that I've had through education with students that may not have those same advantages and, uh, and just being really passionate and excited about education. So I joined that program and moved to St. Louis. That's fantastic. And I was interested when I found out you were a Teach for America teacher. Uh, and Ty, I think that Kate is the first one that we've interviewed that has gone through that program. I so, think you're right. Yeah. And typically, uh, they don't end up in rural communities. So, <laughs> I mean, Patagonia is a pretty rural part of the, of the state. Um, is it a factor of where you live? that caused you to teach rural or is that also an interest for you being a conservationist? Yeah. I, um, I always joke with my family that if you had told me 10 years ago that I was going to move to a town of 900 people, I would have <laughs> said, you're joking. And then if you had told me that I was going to move to that town and move 17 minutes outside of the town, further into the mountains, I would say, you're thinking about someone else. <laughs> but now that we're here, I absolutely fell in love with the landscape, the people. Um, and so, yes, teaching rural is definitely a byproduct of living in this community, but also um, the exact same needs that I encountered in um, urban settings are present in the rural settings. Yeah. I've said that a lot. I think there are a lot of intersections between especially like your inner city urban schools and rural rural schools and both in the challenges they face, but also some of the, you know what, some of the ways they can overcome it at times too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, those issues of access really are very, very similar. Um, but I still feel like we're missing part of the story because you ended at St. Louis and then somehow you got us to Patagonia. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, we always we we always have an eye on the next adventure. So um, I followed my husband for grad school. We moved to outside of Denver, Colorado, and he's actually from a rural setting, from rural Texas. So uh, we moved to be with family in Texas, but we uh, could not find the sort of jobs we wanted to keep. Um, and he took a position out here in Patagonia, uh, Arizona. And so we moved out here uh, with our two-year-old at the time and uh, really found a community, really found a home. Um While I was in St. Louis teaching, I pursued a master's in education administration and a master's in business administration. And so while taking a break from teaching, I really was able to use my MBA to help nonprofits grow their capacity. Mm -hmm. So I worked with a conservation nonprofit while I was in Texas and then found similar work once we moved to Patagonia, where there's a really amazing group of people working to do education and conservation in this area. So I just want to make sure that I'm understanding this right is that you started teaching with Teach for America in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like maybe you didn't teach in Texas. While teaching in St. Louis, uh, I had such an amazing experience that I wanted to see what were the factors that created success for students. So I taught in just a regular urban public school, middle school. Then I taught in a uh, private sliding scale tuition 
public school for girls. And then I helped, I was on the founding staff of a charter school in all in the same city, all, all in the same um, urban area. And while there, while teaching in those three settings, I realized it's just having high standards, setting high standards and showing students that you care. So giving them the support and showing them where they can go with that support. Uh, I also, as I said, uh, was able to study, um, earn two master's degrees through the Teach for America program. And uh, but at the same time, my own life, uh, I was getting married. My husband was pursuing his career. And so uh, following his career, I knew that I was going to bring that same passion, that same commitment to whatever school I went to. And I didn't want to commit until I knew we were going to be there longer than two years. Um, so I waited until we were in Patagonia and it was pretty clear that this this is our place. These are our people. <laughs> so you've had the uh, unique opportunity to experience education in a variety of settings, which Absolutely. is wonderful. Not everyone has had that opportunity. Um, but I am sure that you've experienced that teaching world has its own unique set of challenges and some barriers that have to be overcome. So as you got into education and the classroom in Patagonia, what were some of those challenges that you had to overcome and, and how did you do that? Uh, it has been a real learning curve for me teaching in a rural setting. Uh, when the students tell me how long they've been on a bus just to get to school, I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, what? Did you say two hours? Is that possible? You know? Um, so th that was just not in my framework um, before, before teaching in Patagonia. Um, another challenge was just their comparison of the wider worlds to what they experience here in Patagonia. And I had the unique opportunity of uh, working in this community through the other avenue, through the nonprofit sector, and seeing some of the conservation work and jobs that uh, community members held, um, like the high school um, on the ground conservation crew, and then the opportunities for office management. So coming into this school setting, I was able to tell them as someone from the Midwest, just how incredible Arizona is and how beautiful this landscape is, and really help them appreciate and develop the vocabulary to understand their unique perspective and the unique experience they're having here, and how they can capitalize that and use that as they go on in their own education career. You know, I'm just going to jump in there because I think that's a very valid point that our listeners who are not from the desert lowlands of Arizona fail to understand is how special our desert ecosystem is. I know this is off the topic of teaching, but it's really beautiful. And I think a lot of people fail to understand that. Love to post some pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they were, um, you know, in that first year here, they were invited to participate in a uh, poetry contest about our uh, about our ecosystem, about the Sky Islands here. And so another advantage of being in the rural community is that all of the nonprofits, all of the businesses, the community really comes together to support 
the students. And so we're really able to find ways to help them get real world experience and apply what's happening in the classroom or what's happening in their lives to the classroom. Before I ask this next question, it sounds like maybe do you take kids beyond your classroom all? That is a unique challenge of the rural setting is getting them to the places that we want them to go. So uh, we we definitely, definitely work hard. I work with an incredible team of middle school teachers who are willing to do the extra work, the extra bus uh, ride to take our students out of the classroom. So we've been able to go on some incredible journeys to Tucson is about 90 minutes, a 90 minute drive. So we've been to the art museum, the Jewish heritage center, um, the science center, university of, we walk them around university, Arizona. Um, and then within our own community, we've been collaborating with the town of Patagonia library to walk the students over to be able to expand their book selection and just see what other opportunities are out there. Um, We've collaborated with the Patton Hummingbird Center to take the students over where they were able to meet birders from around the world. So they're sitting there, it's their first time holding binoculars and they're chatting with someone from England who's like filling out their bird list, their life bird list. Um, And then we are also working with... uh, the Nature Center, to, or I'm sorry, the Nature Conservancy to walk them down to the preserve and gain some more understanding and appreciation for the natural world. That That's is fantastic. An, that is such an opportunity to talk about an asset in place. Mm-hmm. Is that these guys can go outdoors and be near this conservancy, and they're meeting people from Britain who came to Patagonia for the opportunity they grow up in the middle of. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. You have a birding capital of the world in your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what? The patent center is just this place. People sit around like at birds. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's interesting about that? So uh, when we talk about uh, engaging with new perspectives, helping them to understand sort of just how incredible their own experiences in their backyard are, um, these, I try to build both the local opportunities, but then also take them out so they can see some of the wider world. And when it, we can't take them to those places, we try to get guest speakers either through Zoom or to have them come visit. Mm-hmm. So we always hear about rural teachers and leaders having to wear many hats. What else do you do in your school community besides teaching in the classroom? Well, what do we not do, all of us? Um, so I uh, I work with, as I've said before, I work with this team of people that are so supportive and they have really given me the space to find my feet here and really work on my in-classroom curriculum and instruction. But as that goes, I've taken on more responsibilities working with um our professional, I've become our professional development coordinator at the school for the staff. And I've also taken on student government, middle school, school student government. So, which is a brand new role in my career. Uh, so I'm, I'm learning on the job. So that requires a lot of uh, planning and fundraising and connecting um, with the community. Um, 
within the school uh, capacity. I've also built built out our uh, classroom library capacity and working collaborating with the school library. And I am on the Friends of the Li- Patagonia Library Board here in town, which has helped us make some connections with the library. And I also help with the community garden board. A lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a soccer mom, an official soccer mom now. So spending a lot of time driving to Nogales to take my little ones for soccer. Best hat. Best hat is mom hat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now a quick break to hear from our sponsor. So Kate, one of the things that uh, Ty and I really like to find out from the people that we talk with is some of those unique opportunities that you have as a rural teacher. And we call that the rural advantage. What does that expression mean to you? In my experience, the rural advantage has been about community, just living and being with these students and their families in the same and everyone working together to achieve the best goals for those students has been an incredible advantage. I was thinking about this podcast and trying to think of like a specific story or example of what that advantage looks like. And I have seen it develop this past year with um, a group of people I've become associated with called Books Save Lives. It was a professional development training I did last year. And they really work hard to connect students and teachers to book and build a love books and build a love of literacy. So in collaboration with them, I've been trying to invite the uh, libraries from the wider community from Santa Cruz County to our school community. And in doing so, I've been getting I'm beginning to see more families and parents out in the community. So at book events, at the other libraries, in the grocery store. And it's so great to connect with people in new settings and sort of check in about, oh, how is that book coming? Or how are your reading goals? Or I just wanted to brag about so-and-so's growth. Um, I also have the unique advantage in this rural school to teach sixth, seventh, and eighth grade English language arts. So I have students for three straight years and I see them every Monday through Friday. We don't have that block scheduling. And so we have spent a lot of time together in some cases. <laughs> and it has been amazing to see them grow. I just spoke with a student the other day who is scoring on grade level And I said, I remember when you came to me in sixth grade and you had such testing anxiety and, you know, you were two to three grade levels behind in reading. And now this student is meeting the goals they set for themselves. And so you, it's harder to teach the same kids when you're in a huge school or a huge district. Um, It's so great to be able to see these same students every year and then to see their siblings um, and really build that communication and a shared vision with their families. Mm, Definitely an advantage. I hope you didn't just give away one of the answers to the next question. Oh, no. That's that's exciting to get to um, see those kids grow like that. That's a great. So 
In your rural teaching career, can you tell us about like your proudest moment as a teacher? Something that stood out to you and says, this is why I do this job. Um, can I have two? Of course. <laughs> sure. You can have as many as you want. <laughs> we love to hear these stories. Yeah, we okay. do. Um, I have one very like individual uh, success story where I had a student who um, had very uh, struggling English skills and had never read a book on their own. And I only had one year to work with a student. And by January, that student had finished their first book ever mm. on in English uh, called Number the Stars. Oh, that's a good and, book. Yes, it's a beautiful book. And, and the sort of... Um, cultural reading that I'm not sure that student would have engaged with outside of the work we were doing in the classroom. And so that I just burst into tears. I was so proud of her um, when when we finished that book. Um, and then on a bigger success story, uh, last year, I it was my second year at this school, and I told the middle school, I want us to create a big, hairy, audacious reading goal. Just like, I just want us to really stick our necks out there and see what we can do. And so they set the goal and they decided to read 360 books as a middle school. We only have 36, 36 students. And, uh, you know, in the rural setting, students tend to come and go throughout the year. So by the end of the year, I think we had about 33. And we met our goal of reading 360 books as a middle school. And we were able to throw the biggest community party where they could celebrate with bounce houses and their families could come and their little siblings could come. So the middle school reward was to throw a party for the elementary school where we could build that love of reading with the even younger kids. So we came back to school this year and I said, all right, we did 360 last year. What can we do this year? And they set their goal for 400 books. We are. Are they on track? They are on track. They are. <laughs> I'll tell you the first week of school, I was doing my, you know, reading strategies, lessons, building malleable intelligence, all the, all my buy-in goal setting lessons. And they were like, yeah, 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 Ms. Peek, when do we get to the books? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. You know, that's such a great reward too, that they would pay it on to the elementary kids. And I mean, that's, that's a great story you got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i just really feel like uh part of building their success is showing them how important they are to their community and how important they can be and that they can affect change starting now you don't have to wait till you're a grown-up so um by those little kids i wanted to show them that if you meet your goals you can inspire the next generation of readers yeah that's a great lesson to learn sure so, Kate, one of the things that um, we hear about all the time at, from a rural perspective around education is that there are some challenges that we are facing as rural educators here in Arizona, probably in your local community, nationally. Um, what are some of those things that keep you up at night when you're thinking about the state of rural education? And uh, 
what those challenges might be for teachers just like you in rural classrooms? Yeah, I would say um, the greatest concern I have, the one that really keeps me up is access to great mental health services or enough mental health services. We are so lucky here at Patagonia in Patagonia to have a school counselor on campus, but she is one person and we are a pre-K through 12 campus. So um, she does an amazing job. But when we try to connect students with other services, it is often very difficult to find transportation um, because, you know, the services are in other cities Mm -hmm. um, or trying to help students find the space and time to meet with services through something like Zoom, which is a great tool that we have, but uh, often in person would be a a better situation. Yeah, better fit for for a kiddo, especially in those yeah. kinds of conversations. Yeah. Um, and the other piece is food insecurity, um, just having access to quality. Um, we are, again, Patagonia is a magical place. We have a uh, organic co-op, Red Mountain Foods, and we also have a market, Patagonia Market. So there are some great places to pick up food here in the community. But when students are competing in sports um, or when they're taking that two-hour bus ride home, just making sure that they have enough quality snacks and um, protein to meet their the needs of their growing minds and growing bodies. And that's another area where we've built some advocacy and some uh, agency with our students they the middle school and high school work together to host a food drive every november and we've been working with the local food bank here in in patagonia to donate that food so it's the local families raising the food and giving back to their community yeah again that rural advantage coming to to bear Mm -hmm. you know both of those both of those are so spot on I'm connected with the Arizona Educational Foundation, and that started finding its way into some of their informational videos for people too. Is the the fact our kids are dealing with food insecurity, the fact that sometimes school is the safest place for them to be seen and heard, and and even though it is, there's still a shortage of those resources. You know, there was a better counselor ratio when I was in high school in the late '90s than what we're seeing today. And it's just, it's a challenge everywhere. Yes, it is. Yeah, and we've been working, uh, the administration has been very supportive in finding, looking, testing curriculum to try to build some of those life skills and social-emotional skills uh, through our leadership classes and and through teaching teamwork here in school. So we're trying to do sort of that first tier, let's all sort of work on this together. Um, but when it comes to those second and third tier needs, really try, really struggling to find the resources that we need. Yeah. Well, despite of that, Ty. Yeah, on a lighter note. <laughs> on a lighter note. <laughs> what would you tell someone who was thinking about being a teacher that would maybe entice them to a rural school? I'm going to put that back even further. 
if you were to talk to someone who was thinking about teaching for America, how would you attract them to rural communities? Oh my goodness. This is so great because I am in touch with my friends from my city teaching days and I am constantly trying to bring them to me. (laughs) Uh, I would definitely tell them that the community is so supportive. Uh, The advantages of being able to work with the same students year to year or to be in such close connection with families or previous teachers or future teachers allows for so much more collaboration. Um, In my case, we also have really small class sizes. So specifically for teachers who are brand new to the profession, it is a great environment to test your skills and uh, really drill down on helping each individual student and learning how to meet the diverse needs of your many learners. That's a great perspective. I don't I don't think I considered that before. So thank you for surfacing that because you're exactly right. What an opportunity. Yeah. And, and um, one of, I mean, one of the things we all, I've heard this on your um, on your podcast before, but teacher retention tends to be a struggle. And I just, uh, once teachers know what they're experiencing in a rural setting and know what to expect, I really think that they will love stay and stay there. Yeah, I do too. Rural is, is, um, addictive. (laughs) It's, It's catchy. So, Kate, is there anything that we have not talked about that you want to make sure that you highlight about your community or your school? I think the biggest takeaway, the part I want to brag on the most teaching in Patagonia is just how much rural communities care about their students and how much work they're putting into supporting those students. So if you know a rural teacher, if you are associated with a school, um, ask what you can do. Ask how you may be surprised in what ways that you could be involved that would be helpful from donating some used books from your own house, you know, some novels that you think students might like, to dropping off some granola bars. Rural schools are uh, meeting many, many needs. For example, I am planning a Halloween dance this Friday, <laughs> and uh, um, it's it's incredible to see the community support that comes out when when we're able to ask or when we're connected. So, thank you. Well, thanks for spending part of your afternoon with us. We really appreciated getting a chance to know you and know more about Patagonia. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the incredible things happening here. So. Thank you so much for listening to The Rural Scoop. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, or even leave us a comment. And be sure to follow on Twitter at Dr. Sadorf. That's D-R underscore S-A-D-O-R-F so that you never miss a new release. You can also check out previous episodes of The Scoop wherever you get your podcasts. Production support for The Rural Scoop is provided by Chattanooga Podcast Studios. Find out more at chattanoogapodcaststudios.com. See you next time for more great discussions about rural education.
proud member of the Podnuga Network.